on the next sales as king, the C-suite is taking a much more active role in the buying process in B2B today. As a matter of fact, 86% more involved than pre-pandemic. So how do we deal with the C-suite in 2021? What do we do to position ourselves to win more business, to win over the C-suite, and to move deals forward? Now, on Sales is King. Yes! So crazy right now! Hey everybody, welcome back to Sales is King. This is Dan Sixsmith. How you all doing? Good to be with you today. We want to talk about an interesting new study from Chorus AI. They are the uh, call recording software company, similar to Gong, where uh, your reps, and probably most of you have this today, uh, the Zoom calls are recorded. Uh, both the video and the audio, and you're able to go in and review. If you're a rep, it's great. You can go back. Uh, it's almost like not even needing to take notes. You can go back and review the calls, um, go to specific areas of the calls. You can clip out portions of the calls and send those out uh, in your follow-up emails, which I've seen done before, which is great. Um, if you're a manager you can go back and you review your team's progress on these calls. So excellent software, you guys should look into it. Um, both I think are good solutions. But Chorus has a new study out talking about the C-suite and their much more active role in the B2B buying process. And while I'm not surprised, uh, I am a little at the at the kind of percentages um, and some of the numbers that they put out here. So we're going to talk about this study. We're going to talk about what Chorus AI is seeing as important to be able to influence the C-suite and get these deals over the line today in the kind of post-pandemic era that we're embarking on today. But the interesting thing was is that according to the study, the CXOs right, the C-suite is 86% more often showing up on these calls than they did pre-pandemic. And I guess when you step back and think about it, it does make sense um, in terms of the Zoom economy and being able to go on to and schedule many calls a day and pop into uh, many of these calls and try and, you know, from a CXO perspective, um, help move things along faster. So for me, I think this is good news for us um, if we're able to um, pivot accordingly and influence the CXOs um, effectively. Because in my mind, this will help move the deals uh, along faster uh, if we're able to connect with the C-suite, uh, again, um, rather than having them be pulled in or having you get to them much later 
perhaps they're in earlier, and perhaps you can move the deals forward by influencing the C-suite. So we've had a couple of great episodes on this. If you could look back, uh, we interviewed James Muir, one of the sales uh, subject matter experts on the C-suite going back, and I will uh, let you know in the uh, show notes which episode that is. But it's something that I've liked to focus on because it really is important and it really requires um, your A-game and it requires kind of a different approach than when you're dealing lower in the organization. So I'm going to walk you through today the 12-step process that Chorus AI is telling us um, is important that they're seeing as influential in moving C-suite deals forward, C-suite influenced deals forward. Number one, do your homework and then do some more in court, according to Chorus. And, you know, um, you might think it's a given, but I think you've got to do additional deep dive discovery. If you know uh, a CEO or a CMO or someone you know, a CXO, as we call them, are going to be involved. Um, Additional levels of discovery, because you want to be able to speak um, executive to executive. You know, you don't want to come across as a demo jockey um, or have a very limited kind of uh, knowledge uh, of just your solution. So you've got to be able to come in and talk about you know, certainly what's going on with this prospect organization, reading those 10Ks and reading the press releases um, and understanding what are those big strategic uh, pillars and initiatives, right? Um, anything that that CXO individual is sharing personally, um, going into Twitter and LinkedIn and Google and, and the search engines to understand what's important to them How can I connect with them on a personal level and a business level? So how do I come in and speak executive to executive? So what are are the executives interested in, right? Um, What do they want to discuss? Oftentimes it's going to be how do we help them grow revenue? How do we help them be more competitive, help them differentiate, help them save money? Um, Important things to uh, executives. So additional discovery, additional research is going to be important. Um, You know, they typically want to get, and this comes from not the the report, but from one of my earlier episodes, they want to get right down to business. Um, You know, they don't want to spend a lot of time BSing around. Um, They want to get right into it, roll up your sleeves, and get to the matter at hand. Get to understand those key challenges. Validate what you may have read or heard or researched. Um, show that you could speak strategically and as an executive. Um, and then, you know, uh, uh, mentally, keep yourself on the same level. There's no reason to put yourself um, underneath or lower than someone from the C-suite, if you're not in the C-suite. Because, you know, you're providing a service, you're a subject matter expert, um, you can think strategically, and you know how to connect the dots, and you know how to win business. 
So you're on the same level and you need to go in with that mindset. So that's number one, which I think is a good one. Um, Number two, it says be ready to underscore ROI from day one. Very interesting to me, of course, um, and my organization. But ROI, numbers, value is right up there. It's number two. Because let's think about this, right? The, the, The executives, the CEOs, the CFOs, the CIOs, they want to know numbers. They want to know how this is going to impact their organization from a financial perspective. They're going to want to know if I am investing XXX amount of dollars, how quickly do I get my money back? What is the return on investment? Right? Um, and what this article doesn't go into is, is kind of how to do that. You know, it's not that you just start flinging numbers around um, and taking wild guesses. No, you have to have a business case. Um, According to this study, 71% of participation in sales meetings by C-level executives is economic in nature, not technical. 71% of the calls are economic in nature and not technical. No bells and whistles, but bottom line and value. Your ability to speak value, to tell a story around value, and to present numbers and speak confidently around the financial implications is paramount to moving these deals forward. I'll say it again. Being able to tell a compelling value story and speak confidently around the financial implications of doing business with you is going to be important. How does your solution influence the bottom line, the top line? Okay, these are things that need to be absolutely rock solid in your head and leveraging different tools that will help you make the case. As we've learned so much before in many of our episodes, talking about ROI and finance is not just numbers, but it's also about how you tee up the numbers, how you position the numbers, right? So that's why a value story is important. Like, you know, there's the challenger sale framework. We talked about that last week. There's command of the message. There's the um, media flight close methodology. There's value selling associates. There's a lot of great frameworks that you can use that help tee up the numbers and the financial conversations. And you do need to know the numbers. And it's not acceptable to say, well, I'm not great with numbers. And, you know, no, you have to be, if you want a CEO or a CRO to take you seriously, You need to have this down and you need to work on it. And if you're weak, you need to work on it. It is not acceptable to say, you know, this is part of my sales game that I'm not comfortable with. It's okay to say you're not comfortable with it, but you've got to fix it and you've got to work on it and you've got to leverage tools, coaches, mentors, management, um, whomever you need to, to make this key. Those CXOs want to know about 
ROI, they want to know about value. Number three, um, deal size is important. And basically what they're saying is in some of these larger deals, there's a three times greater chance that the C-suite is going to be involved, um, you know, depending on what the threshold is for those guys. And what we're seeing lately, you know, in my world is, is you know, even some of the smaller deals, you've got a whole slew of people in there and you've got procurement being deployed for tiny amounts of money. Um, it's really gotten quite challenging, I would say, um, to navigate. So you need to be prepared for um, a lot of different folks um, and you need to be able to have that executive conversation. So I think point three was just telling us that, you know, um, we're, we're seeing these people much more often. We're seeing growing buying committees and definitely as the deal sizes go up, you can definitely expect to see the C-suite. But the great thing about having the C-suite on the calls is that now you can position value in such a way that you can get higher prices. Maybe you can expand the program. Maybe now is a great time to talk about more of the strategic solution versus the point solution that maybe you were selling to the lower level person. Now you've got an opportunity to bring in executives on your side and expand this and have a much more um, larger, higher level conversation and perhaps add many tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions to the deal size. So think about that as you go forward. Number four, um, very similar to what I kind of talked about earlier, you know, embracing the C-suite is important because it improves win rates, just like we were talking before. Having the C-suite involved, 38% better win rate when they get involved. So if you know that someone, one of these executives is coming on the next call, man, that's a great sign and it's time to be super ready to go because your chances of winning are going to increase by 38%, which is very significant. So having them involved, number four, means that win rates are going up and your ability to have a great conversation and a great meeting and a great follow-up uh, with this team, with the CXO in there, is going to be very important for you going forward. Number five, maximize the CXO impact with a clear meeting agenda. And they're saying that, um, according to the research, if you attach an agenda to the invite that you send out that includes the CXO, there's a 3%, just want to double check this number, there's a 3% lift um, in your ability to convert. Now, while you think that might be not a lot, let's think about it. Any improvement today in a challenging environment is going to be key. So let's just step back on this for a minute, okay? We want to send an agenda. We want to put together um, a blueprint for the call, a roadmap for the call. We want to put in some things potentially that we want to validate. And this is really a separate um, 
uh, podcast episode that we can go into on meeting agendas. And I've got some great um, resources for you on that. But for the sake of this episode, let's just think about um, pulling together the agenda so that everybody's ready and that people can comment or change or edit or update what they want to talk about. So you don't have to spend 10 extra minutes flailing around trying to figure out what people want to talk about or what's most important. So I think that's a good one. That's one that I sometimes uh, neglect as well. Um, But it is a foundational and important um, part of your sales game, according to this study. And if I can get a 3%, if I could add, if I could increase my chances by 3%, if I send an agenda, I'm sending an agenda. Just like I know if this CXO is in the meeting, there's a 38% chance, better chance that I'm going to win. And I love it. Number six, anticipate the surprise appearance of a CXO. Anticipate the surprise appearance of the CXO. And this happens 10% of the time. Somebody shows up on the call that was you were not expecting, and it happens to be a senior level executive. And this goes across the board. Surprise, there should be no surprises um, when it comes to our sales game, right? You have to expect the unexpected. You can't be caught unawares um, and, you know, kind of thrown off your game. Anything can happen. We've talked about this going back for a number of years, even in the in-person meetings. You don't know who's going to pop in that's in a bad mood, right? You don't know who's going to try and throw thumbtacks in the road and banana peels to upset your momentum. You have to pivot and you have to solve. You have to anticipate. It could be hostile, you know? Um, Not every meeting is great. You've got naysayers. You've got haters. (laughs) You've got people that don't like you or your company. Uh, They might take exception to something that was posted. So you've got to be able to be ready for this. But most importantly here is Prepare for each meeting as if the C-suite might be involved or will be involved. Have your executive level conversation ready to go. Um, And there are ways to do this. There are tools, you know, with the tools that we do, we've got different, uh, different modes, different pathways that you can take the presentation based on who's in the meeting, right? The C-suite is going to want to talk strategy. They're going to want to talk numbers. You know, um, they're going to get, you know, they want to get right down to it. They may not want to bog down in a point of view and some of this other um, kind of, you know, extra added discovery that you might want to do with some of the kind of lower level folks. So that's a great one on number six. Number seven, um, get the C-suite executives talking, right? Um, The research shows that in the closed one deals, the CXOs talk 8.5% 8.5% more um, in, the, in the deals that convert. So that's very important. Get them talking with open-ended questions. Um, it's like anything else, right? Um, in any sort of relationship, in any sort of conversation, if I'm dominating the conversation um, when I'm connecting with people for the first time, whether it be in a personal level, whether it be in a business level, um, doesn't work out as well as when 
the other person does more talking. When, when we're more curious, when we're asking questions and wanting to get to know them, we engage better. Um, the other person will feel not only heard, but they will feel like they are connecting and they're moving their agenda forward, right? Because we want, we want the prospect to move their agenda forward with us collaboratively, okay? If I'm jamming my agenda down their throat, they're not going to feel good about me or the organization or the conversation. So it's very important. And it's a balance, right? You know, you're just not a note taker. You're not a, you're not a newspaper reporter, where you're just going to want to just listen the whole time. Um, but you want to get them talking, but then you want to be able to then make the case, um, you know, validate and make the case on how you can help um, and if you can help. And then get them excited about how you can help. And then tie back later on when it's time to try and close this deal to how important this was or is to the CEO or the CRO. So super important, open-ended questions. Um, you know, tell me more about, um, you know, can you elaborate on this? Follow-up questions, not just feigning listening, but, you know, getting to um, a deeper understanding. Also, you know, another key thing is like, why are these things occurring, right? You may get a description of what's happening, and what the challenge is, but why are they occurring, right? Why haven't they been addressed to date? Um, and then the key, other key question is, you know, what happens if we don't address this? How critical is this, right? Is this something like, you know, uh, we're hoping we can do this. This is number, you know, 10 uh, on my list out of 10. Or this is critical, um, and, you know, this is number one or two that we have to solve, or we're going to have a big problem. That's going to help you understand whether, you know, uh, you've got a really good chance of getting something done here, or you're going to have to work to figure out how to move this up the priority list by working with them on kind of the financial consequences of not solving the problem. Number eight, um, don't fail to engage with the rest of the audience, right? Um, so... Yeah, definitely uh, important, of course. So, and I think it goes without saying, but we don't want to focus on just the CEO or just the CRO. We want to be able to engage with everybody else, um, understand what's important to them, and connect the dots. And make sure they're aligned, because sometimes you've got uh, competing priorities or competing perspectives on what the issues are or what might need to be done. So you have to put on your kind of group therapist leader hat um, and be able to facilitate a group conversation where everyone can come together on what the issue is. Uh, make sure you get everybody aligned. Make sure you connect with each person and what's important to them. And that is tricky on a 30-minute call with 10 stakeholders. Right, So you're going to have to do the homework ahead of time. Who's going to be most involved? Who's going to be the key people? And you can work with your champion beforehand to understand you know, who's going to be on the call, who's most important, um, and then who do we position and how do we position uh, value to each one of these 
stakeholders. Number nine, use your presentation materials and time wisely. Um, very interesting. So the, um, the economic decision makers, right? So these C-suite folks that want to be able to discuss economics want to see a demo more than they want to see a deck. They want to see a demo 42% more often than they want to see a deck. And that makes sense to me. They want to get into the, the nitty gritty. Show me this solution. Um, I don't want to see the point of view. I, I get it. You know, um, I, I want to kind of see the demo. And, and that's okay. You know, that's okay. We just need to be able to ask those couple of few questions up front to be able to know which elements of the demo to highlight. Um, and then be able to talk about the why. And we've talked about this so much. The demo, you know, when we demo, we're always thinking how it works, right? How these features work. Um, but it's always really most important to talk about the why. Okay, not the how, but yes, the how, but in addition, the why. Why is this important? Take a step back. What impact will this have on the organization if people leverage the solution properly. So um, very interesting here, more demo than deck with the C-suite, number nine. They, and, and they say that they will spend up to 24 minutes viewing a demo, uh, 4.5 times more, as we said, than a deck. And they say here, maybe send the deck in advance um, if the C-suite's going to be involved. Number 10, um, give the gift of time. So if we're able to be more efficient, certainly give them time back in their schedule. You know, I think that's great, but in most of the meetings I've been on, we're kind of running right up against the clock um, and sometimes over. But certainly if you can be efficient um, and give them time back, I think that would, that would be great. Now, that's not a massive one for me. Um, I don't think they have any numbers around it. Um, it was just kind of a thought from the chorus people. Number 11, um, never assume the meaning of a CXO's present in a sales meeting. Um, and let's see what they mean by this. Uh, members of the C-suite attend two or more meetings in a single sales cycle about 24% of the time. However, don't assume that means they are taking the lead on the decision-making process for a purchase. They may simply want to be in the loop. So we need to kind of understand um, what their role is going to be, right? And what they're saying here is don't assume that they are going to be the lead decision-maker. Um, okay, well, uh, I think that goes without saying. I think we need, if we do a good job of our kind of discovery um, not our discovery, not around the business issues, but our internal, our discovery around the sales process, the buying process, um, we'll know um, how it's going to work, how are decisions made at the prospect company. You need to ask that. How are decisions made, particularly this decision? How will this decision be made? Okay, Um you know, this person and this person will be recommenders. Um, and then this person has the final, um, 
say, or it's a group decision and we're going to vote. I mean, whatever it is, you got to understand. So you need to know who to influence. You can't leave it to, you know, I hope they, I hope they go with me, right? It's got to be, um, okay, so here's what we're going to do next. Let's make sure I've met with all of the people that are going to have a say in the process. Are there others that are loyal to my competitors in this group? I've been on a bunch of those lately. You know, people showing up on the call that have worked with my competitors. People showing up on the call that have worked at my competitors. So I know right away that this is going to be tricky and I've got to really make sure um, that I've got my game together and that I understand the process. So, you know, not assuming that the C-suite is the the sole decision maker or the ultimate decision maker. They may just provide the money and they may leave it up to the team to make the decision. So we need to know, you know, who is the champion? Um, how do we arm that person to make the case to the others? And what are they really, you know, what, are, what is the decision making criteria? What's most important at the end of the day? Yes, there's going to be a slew of issues that they want to solve. But what is the decision-making criteria? Which of those, you know, requirements are really the most important? They may send you a list of 10 or 11 different things that they want or need that they're trying to solve for. But really, what are the biggest ones? And that's how you focus and position on those. And then number 12, you know, um, don't neglect the champion. Um, Don't forget who brought you to the dance is another way of saying it for you old schoolers out there. Um, you know, always make sure that you're keeping the champion in the loop um, and working with that person to understand, you know, what these people are like. You know, I was on a call recently and then someone said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to have to talk to my boss about it, you know, and, um, you know, and I said, well, what would, what will she say? What will she ask? What is she like? What is important to her? You know, certainly let's bring her on the next call. But, you know, it it was good for me to know what this stakeholder likes to focus on. You know, so no question is, um, to me, a stupid one when it comes to process, when it comes to stakeholders, um, when it comes to getting deals approved. We need to ask more. Um, you know, we need to really uncover and know what the process is and how we can facilitate and help. So um, I love the report uh, from the Chorus AI folks um, on the C-suite. I think it was an eye-opener for me, for sure. And while I've seen it, um, you know, I just haven't really put it top of mind didn't really realize how much more prevalent and frequent um, the C-suite is getting involved in these decisions. So great 12-step approach to you know, improving our game and the importance of connecting with senior level executives in your prospect and customer company. So let's think about those 12 different steps. Let's think about how we connect greater with senior executives and drive more wins. Peace.